Thanksgiving dinner because I feel like we haven't talked about that. Oh, no. Or have we? Did I miss that? No, we haven't. Um, what did I have for Thanksgiving dinner? Well, we're vegetarians, so no turkey, but we do do the tofurkey because it's nice to have just like something to put in the center of a table. Yeah. And like veggie gravy on and like cranberry mm. sauce. Do you do mushroom gravy? No, because my mom doesn't like mushrooms. That's awful. <laughs> that must really be a lot of like, that's a lot of the food that she eats though, right? Like, or not, I mean like a lot of the options I think for vegetarian food often have mushrooms, don't they? Yes. It can make things more difficult. <laughs> Ugh. Nightmare. I also don't know how you wouldn't love mushrooms. Like I was literally eating a shimiji today and I just thought to myself, Mm-mm-mm. delicious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love mushrooms, so I don't understand. Yeah. Anyways. But yeah, we, we keep it pretty like traditional sides from the lack of turkey. You mean asides? Because it's oh side dishes. <laughs> Do you see what I did there? Yeah, it was, it was great. Thank you. <laughs> I'm exceptionally tired. Um, anywho. You yeah. Have your mash. So, yeah. Mash. Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. How do you do your Brussels sprouts? Um, we roasted them this year, but we'll do like just like a steamed with like some lots of garlic and like lemon zest, mm. which is nice. Keeps it fresh. Yeah, it is nice to have something I think that's like a little more simple. Like I love a green bean with like lemon on it for Thanksgiving. Mm. Nobody, we never do those, but I really like having it because I love green beans and I also love something a little bit. It tastes cleaner somehow. Yeah, I know what you mean. No. I feel like the the green bean thing is almost more like, is that more, I want to say American, but maybe I'm just thinking Midwest, like mm. a green bean casserole kind oh of Oh my situation. God, that's so Midwest. Yes. Yeah, no, not like that. <laughs> Oof. I don't know. I don't really fuck with a casserole that heavy. Then again, no. what am I saying? They're fine, I'm sure. <laughs> Whatever. It's just, uh, it's very like brown. Yes. You know? Yes. Like you just get a lot of like brown foods. It's a lot of, yeah, it's, yes. What did you have? Oh, um, well, I actually had such a nice Thanksgiving. So I went to Zach's friend Tamara's house for like a Friendsgiving thing. And she got, mm-hmm. like, I think it was the Earls of a Cactus, one of the two. Like they had like a full turkey dinner and she mm. just got that in, which was really nice and had that. So that was like a, a super cute little night. And then the next day, my mom. Okay, so <laughs> this is the first time in like years that... We haven't done, like, a big, big family dinner. Like, obviously, we didn't last year because I was in Toronto. But this year, like, I'm here. But we didn't do it anyways. So it was just the three of us. And Steve was out sailing for the day. So we just, like, had the most casual, like, turkey preparation I've ever experienced. At one point, my mom's like, I hate these because Steve is obsessed with those fucking electric pepper grinders. They're so (laughs) stupid. And she's like, I hate these. We need a proper pepper grinder. So she, in the middle of preparing our turkey dinner went to Walmart, which seemed insane to me, but anywho. Well, I mean, a turkey, turkey's just got to cook. You don't need to watch it really. No, but I'm just so used to like the military precision of like, I have to get up at this time and I have to do this much work and these things need to go in the oven at this time and the dishes need to be done at that time. Yeah. Anyways, so we did turkey, which turned out delicious. We stuffed the heck out of that, not like with stuffing, but under the skin, we put a ton of butter and then like rosemary and covered Ooh. in bacon. And it was super delicious. And then like all the herbs and spices inside and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was good. Uh, and then we did stuffing, but we did stuffing muffins. So that is my favorite way to have them. Interesting. Oh, they're so good. No, I just love a stuffing. Like just, like I just want plates and plates of it. And I feel like a muffin wouldn't be enough. Oh no, it's it's just like a, t- like you eat multiple muffins. <laughs> 
Marika, there's a lot of muffins. Okay. You don't I, need to I'm, worry about them. I'm willing to try it. It's good because you get that really nice, soft, delicious, like kind of almost like mushiness to it, mm-hmm. but also the crispy deliciousness on the outside. Yes. Highly recommend. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. I hear you. No. Yeah. So we had that. Then I made mashed potatoes and I don't want to blow my own horn here, but honestly, I think I nailed the mashed potato game. Of course you did. Like, it's not like I did anything crazy. It was just salt, pepper, nutmeg, butter, and milk. But mm-hmm. as I was eating them, I'm like, honestly, Emily, I think you've made the best mashed potatoes in the whole world. <laughs> like, they were just so goddamn good. Or maybe I was just really hungry and into the mashed potatoes. Anyways, and then we did, like, roasted uh, Brussels sprouts and carrots and, like, that sort of stuff. What did you do for dessert? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Elsie killed it. <laughs> she made the best trifle ever it was delicious mm. first of all trifle so fun mm-hmm. second of all the layers were so pretty with like the cream and then she did pumpkin like filling that she like mm. did in there so it was like ginger snaps and like vanilla wafer cookie like you know the like vanilla cookies uh crumbled up together a layer of that and then the pumpkin puree and then the cream and all that oh my god um it's hilarious that you are talking about this trifle because we basically did the same thing that so we fun. we made more like an icebox cake Ooh, fun. So my mom doesn't like pumpkin pie. Trash. <laughs> I love it anyways. I love a pumpkin pie. I understand. I think it's it's one of those things you like have every year and you're like, yeah, like pumpkin pie. But it's always kind of like, okay. This was what the whole pie making with Perry today was about, is to prove that pumpkin pie is delicious and I did not nail it. We have done in the past and we've decided that our favorite thing is to do this like icebox cake like you know like the classic one with like the chocolate wafers and it's basically you layer chocolate wafers and whipped cream Mm. and then leave it in the fridge for like a day until it gets all soft and then it like turns into a cake and it's the best yeah delicious like a classic 60s 50s dessert it's perfect but we did it with like ginger snap Mm. ginger snaps and then typically we would do like fold in like pumpkin puree and like kind of make like a pumpkin Mm. mix with like the spices and stuff and whipped cream but my mom and sophie forgot the pumpkin (laughs) so it was just whipped cream and ginger snaps and then we put crystallized ginger on top and it was delicious we love crystallized ginger yeah oh that sounds really nice it was perfect oh i love it and it didn't sit for super long so like the cookies weren't super soft but that was good because it Mm. was still like it had more texture it wasn't just like eating mush yeah i love that Highly Ooh. recommend. We're gonna. It's that's the new thing. We're doing it every year. I love that. Ooh, I want some crystallized ginger right now. Oh, it's the best. Mm. Well, that's delightful. I'm glad that we've both had very nice holidays. We had some very nice holidays, didn't we? But mm. that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about very unnice things. Yeah, actually, <laughs> like some disastrous things if we might go that far. Yeah, on this uh, episode of Pantry Staples, the podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. I'm Marika. And I'm Emily. Uh, so today I'm a little, I feel like my entire, like my contribution to this season is going to be a little bit off, like a little more far afield than yours. Like the potato famine, you're like, this is a legitimate food disaster. Where someone's just like, I don't know. I like have some thoughts I want to talk about. Um, no, so- I, I love it. I think it's perfect because we're able to expand our horizons. Exactly. And these are such expanded horizons. They're actually across the Atlantic ocean. All the way into the brave new world where multiple people were immigrating to what in is, the end of the 1800s. What a pickup from the potato famine. I know. Honestly, though, it works out so well. <laughs> so all these poor, starving Irish farmers, uh, they were not aboard the Titanic because they couldn't afford her because she too fancy. So fancy. So fancy. So we're not talking about them, but we are talking about a lot of like British 
migrants, a lot of people from like Northern Europe. Uh, and then eventually kind of towards the end of the 1900s, we're seeing a lot of like Scandinavians as well coming across oh. uh, to the brave new world. <laughs> so obviously this immigration was great for some people having a nice time getting away from famine. Uh, uh-huh. And for others, not so great because you died at sea, uh, which like not just the Titanic. So don't want to be too rude to her. But yeah, the Titanic, a huge disaster. One we're all very intimately familiar with through the magical movie stylings of Titanic, <laughs> you which can't I have remember. yet to seen. You've de- Wait. Oh my God. We've talked about this so many times. We have I have about- not seen Titanic. And you know what? One day. <sighs> I feel like at this point, it's one of those films that it's fine. You know what happens. I don't really, because, like, it's a story, isn't it? I mean, I know that the thing sinks. It's not like a surprise or there. Leonardo DiCaprio falls in love with Kate Winslet. They have a nice time. James Cameron was, like, fat, shamey, and terrible on set. James Cameron literally seems like the worst. He is truly the worst. Uh, everybody is so obsessed with when, was it Catherine Bigelow? Is his ex-wife? Is that what her name is? Yeah. Who did the Hurt Locker and is like, yes. yeah, because I was married to him. <laughs> or like knows about torture because she was married to James Cameron. I'm just like, oh, you guys, it's hilarious. Thank you. Uh, anywho, let's talk about <laughs> what they ate on the Titanic because it's a disaster that all that food went to waste. <laughs> genuinely is guys it truly is i it's one of my number one beefs with cruise ship is in general not that the titanic was a cruise but it wasn't not a cruise i feel like it was a cruise for these people like some of them were just like also that's the other thing is that it it legitimately was in some cases Mm. oh like a cruise because they were just going back and forth for like business or whatever there was a ton like the middle class had like opened up in a way that it hadn't before not in a way where they would have taken a cruise but in in a way where like if you were like the uber wealthy but like new money you would be working like going back and forth i think like to do business in america i don't think like a ton of it but people were right how long? they were traveling like how it was long was the trip seven days which is crazy seems like it would be way longer in my mind yes right i am shocked how did i not know this how long does it take now to get from like new york to england I wish it was seven hours because that would be a very clean translation. That would be. And that's what my mind initially wanted to say. But I, I feel like it is seven hours. No, it's five. Yeah, it's very short because... It's always the, like, west coast to east coast that gets you. And then after, you're, when you're going over the Atlantic, it turns out there's not a lot there. It's very Who knew? fast. Well, apparently these people board the ship for seven days. Anywho, so let's talk about what people were doing in terms of, like, eating out for, like, traveling. Mm. Like, hotel meals and that sort of stuff. Like, right now, every, like fine dining hotel has a fine dining restaurant yeah like or not fine dining you know what i'm saying like a nice hotel has a nice restaurant yeah this was very much the same thing in this regard but the advent of people like eating out at these was kind of a new thing like not to say the restaurants obviously weren't a thing but it wasn't like the upper echelons weren't dining out especially in like the british culture what's our timeline here because the 1800s like end of 1800s okay i think it was 1903 god i should have looked that up but instead i just was like here let me not write any dates down the titanic oh no it's yeah 1912 thank you i did know that i just did not write it down so it wasn't like considered necessarily the most proper to be seen eating and that sort of thing but we have this like really booming middle class and all this new money coming in from like these American billionaires, <laughs> which I love that. Like, I just, you know, you think of them as like cowboys just rolling in with their hats and their boots and thinking like, 
I'm going to go sit here and I'm going to eat some chicken and gravy. I, which I think is what the, the fancy British people did think that they were. Even I though they hope. were just, I don't know, like oil tycoons mm-hmm. and casual uh, uh, industrial magnets. <laughs> Railway men. Ooh, yes. Yes. Um, so we have this kind of new situation going on. And also because there's like more people who are making like good money, not great money, but good money who are going on these like traveling like situations, Mm. they're going to be eating in the same spaces as these really wealthy people, especially aboard these boats. So we now have kind of this more democratizing dining situation. And I don't really mean that in, because it's not, it's all about how much money you can afford, (laughs) but like these new money people were like rubbing elbows with like lords and ladies. Right. So now it's not about your social standing. It's about how much cash you got, which is what your social standing becomes. But anyways. No, but I think that that's a big change from what it, from what they totally. Yeah. So that's like a really cool side effect of like transatlantic travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like just in general, more travel and like hotels and that sort of stuff. But definitely it's these ships that we're seeing a lot of this from, which is neat. Um, so like all these barriers are being broken down. There are now, instead of just the cabin and steerage, which is like the upper echelons, like lords and ladies and all that, and steerage with the peasants, basically. Literal cattle. <laughs> Literal cattle. Ugh. Instead of just having those two kind of classes on the ship, you are now having first class, second and third class. So now you have like this new distinction, which is kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... Like in the olden times, cabin class, you'd be served the finest food on china plates. There's silverware, there's crystal glasses, it's uniform servers, it's like professional staffed, like that sort of thing. In like a dining room. Yes, yes. in like okay. a dining room. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's actually a very important point that it is a specific space that is set aside mm-hmm. for like a leisurely meal. Whereas in steerage, you would line up for cafeteria style service of boiled meats and veg that you ate near where you slept. And then up until pro- the 1890s, you had to bring your own cutlery, which I think is hilarious and also very sad. And like a lot of these people too, who were in steerage packed their own food. Like a lot of it was just, here's everything. Also, I was thinking about this on the way over here. I thought, I don't even know how I would provision for a week. This is why I'm not a sailor or a a girl scout, but um, (laughs) I'm like, I just have to get like a lot of canned tuna. I think, but people still do do that. I know. I'm just woefully ill-equipped for life. I know. I'm, I can't go a day without buying a snack of some sort. I need to have, like, it's like a little fun thrill for your day to get snack time. Yeah, it's like I got 15 minutes. I'm going to go and buy a juice. Yeah, of course I'm going to get a juice. The first ship to introduce this kind of, like, middle class, so before, like, cabin and steerage, or sorry, between, uh, was the Adriatic in 1883. Mm. Uh, yeah, they could now... Like, we have this middle class that can afford to go traveling, or they can afford to take this trip over to the brave new world. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> new world said it, like, in scare quotes, I am aware that the world was there. Like, I think the keep continually calling it the brave new world establishes that fact. Cool. I just want to confirm that we all know that. <laughs> I also am really enjoying it, because in my head, I'm picturing myself, like, wearing lace gloves and, like, cracking a bottle on a ship, just being like, we're off. <laughs> um, anyways, these people who could afford to go on these trips 
couldn't afford the cabin class. It was far out of their price range, mm-hmm. but they also were unwilling to stay in the conditions of steerage. So they like this demand fair. was met. Totally fair. Do we know how that change came about? Like, was it just because there were enough wealthy, wealthy people like complaining? Yeah, I think yeah. it was that mm-hmm. pretty much. I would assume yeah. actually. Um, anyways, so the new money is dining next to old money. The old money is looking over like, who are these people? They're <laughs> my enemies. And now here we go. So, how are we going to deal with this? Because the second class ticket does technically allow you into the like the dining room as uh-huh. opposed to the cafeteria. Well, we invent a new restaurant on board. Oh, okay. Which is very fun. Classic. So, previously, it would have been like these plated dinners and like courses and that sort of thing. The uber wealthy can now go to the restaurant that's on board where it is an a la carte menu that you actually have to pay for. It's not included in your price of your ticket. Mm. So, that's kind of neat. But it's only open to first class. Right. So there you go. Uh, It was super luxurious and they required advanced booking. It was, the restaurant on the Titanic was located on the B deck, which I don't know why, but I felt like I needed to tell you. It was exquisitely decorated and furnished in the French Louis XVI or Louis XVI style with seating of upwards to 150 guests. Wow. I know. That's, and like, this is the thing. We always talk about how the Titanic was like this city on the sea, Mm. but it really was. Like, it had 2,200 passengers, and it was catering to every single one of them. It had to. And it was... And this is the thing, too. You know how at work, if somebody breaks a glass, you're just like, oh, you stupid idiot. And then you sweep it up and hope everybody's, like, not cut. Here, what the hell do you do if you run out of plates? Like, if one idiot knocks down 20 plates, like, do you have enough plates for 20 people? Like, I'm I'm stressed. (laughs) Anyways... (laughs) It had its own kitchen for the restaurant, as Mm -hmm. well as differently patterned china and menus, so it was very distinct in terms of, like, the branding of it, basically. It was run independently by a man named A.P. Luigi Gatti, an Italian restaurateur who managed the 60 staff members. He also, on, like, the sister ship, I suppose, the Olympia of the Titanic, he also ran the restaurant there. I'm obsessed with this. This is, like... Would you ever have this now, where it's, like, an independent guy who's just, like... He's like, yes, I'm gonna open a new restaurant on a boat i don't necessarily like it wasn't quite that independent like he did run it and stuff like that mm-hmm. but it was overseen by white star right uh i think that's what it is mm-hmm. the white star line right uh so it was like a joint like a mm-hmm. collaboration let's sure go with. okay yes. but yeah i don't think you'd have that now it's all contracted out through like the company of the mm-hmm. company. and every single boat would have the exact same kind of like oh, series 100 yeah yeah but he was doing his own thing anywho so just as a brief mention, I am mostly going to focus on the restaurants uh, now, but I did also want to say there's private dining spaces on here. Like if you wanted a private meal, like they could sort that out for you. Mm-hmm. They also do room service. They kept the trays warm with hot water jackets, which I thought was very fun. Ooh, a yes. little jacket for your food. Um, and those, like they needed them because you were taking this food sometimes well across the other side of this bloody boat. Where like, there's icebergs. <laughs> yeah, literal icebergs, guys. Like everyone's aware of that one. Anyways. Except not. Except for not. Aware enough. Too soon. JK, it's been over 100 years. This is another super fun thing that I thought, like, there's some real fucked up shit in this. The servants of the first class passengers, so like their maids and their valets, were to dine separately. Of course. Obviously. In the maids and valets dining room, where they were served by uniformed stewards using silver napkin rings and like same really lovely service, Mm -hmm. excellent food and that sort of stuff. The napkin rings were distinguished because they had no adornments, unlike the others for first class. And they were engraved with the word servant. (laughs) Just in case you forgot. 
Oh, it's so shady. It's so shady. Anyways, third class passengers didn't actually get a napkin. Like they have for first class, you have your linen napkin, obviously, and you have this adorned like ring. And then you have the ones for the servants. And then for second class, you have a slightly different one that has, I think, a little cross on it Mm -hmm. to indicate second class. Third class, they just get a printed paper napkin. So I'm like, "Mm, all right, guys. I mean, they're not wrong. Nothing has changed. Yep. So in, this is another hilarious distinction that I like couldn't stop laughing at when I read it. In first class, all the silverware and everything that you were provided, you were provided grape scissors, but in second class, you were not. So you had to suffer the indignity of picking a grape off with your own bare hands. I want, can you please, grape for scissors. my birthday. Can you actually throw me my phone? Cause I am going to get you this for Christmas. <laughs> So another like kind of fun distinction, I think, and just a, a sign of the fact that the food that they were serving was very much like of a time. Yes. And you see that with the menus as well, but like breakfast was a multi-course meal, <gasps> like massive and not about the Titanic cause they had refrigeration by that point. But before there was refrigeration, they would just bring a shit ton of chickens on the boat. So you could have eggs like so many chickens. I can't tell if I love or I'm disgusted by that. I think Both. I'm disgusted. Yeah. It's pretty awful, but I do kind of love the idea of these chickens just running around. I also don't think that I could eat a full, co- like a multi-course breakfast. I don't know. I'd have to see the courses. Yeah, like what even would the courses be? Like grapes? Well, I'll get there. <laughs> Calm down. Oh, okay. Calm down. I want a breakfast. Um, so also, all of the bread that was served aboard, baked fresh every day. Of course, it would have had to be. Like, isn't that crazy, though, that you have this massive boat that has... This is the other thing I was reading about the kitchens themselves. 19 feet of oven. <laughs> like, isn't that ridiculous? I can't even fathom it. I don't know what... Like, that... I don't even know if... The, how big is a foot? I don't know. I feel like that's bigger than this apartment. <laughs> Probably. Um. Anyways. Let's see. Menu selections for all classes, excluding the restaurant, were the responsibility of Titanic's second steward, Andrew Latimer... Working together with the heads of various culinary departments, each day's menu was planned according to ingredients available and when food was in season. Advances in refrigeration, cold storage, and faster supply chain from slaughterhouses, fish markets, and fruit and vegetable suppliers offered a far greater variety of food for all passengers that hadn't previously been available. This is crazy, too, because when you think of the food, that, like, when I read you these menus, you'll notice that they have, like, fruit and veg on there. A lot of these people ate better on this boat than they did in their own homes, which is just madness. Like the variety of food that they could access was much greater. But they were like they weren't getting deliveries to the boat, were they? Yeah. How like, the hell do you think they got? Oh, you mean like when it's at sea? Yes. No. No. But I did ask Perry earlier. I was like, do you think that they would fish on the boat? <laughs> like, and do you think they would just like throw a line out and be like, I don't know. I guess we'll see what we can catch. That would be insane because they couldn't serve it to them because there's not enough fish. Cool. No. Answered that question. <laughs> they don't have time for fishing. It's fine. I did have this really hilarious vision of them just like dragging a net behind and being like, I guess we'll see if we get a dolphin or if we get some fish. I don't know. It's like um, it's halibut tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty neat. And again, this is just for all the, like the dining spaces, not necessarily the restaurant that he's in charge of, this guy. Right. Um, Mr. Latimer. So another fun fact they have a specific cook for kosher food because they had so many Jewish immigrants huh. from like Eastern Europe that, that they makes- feel like they needed to make sure that that was taken care of. 
That makes a lot of sense. They invited a rabbi on board to make sure that like he could inspect it and like give the word that yes, they were like not mixing up the dishes. They weren't doing anything that it was all appropriate, which is like lovely that they took the care. I'm shocked. I'm so impressed and stunned. The 1912s actually did something right. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Or didn't just pull the, how would they know? They'll never know. I mean... They could have easily done that. But this is the thing that I think like jumps out whenever you hear any of these details about like the Titanic in general, but also about the food that they're offering. It's like, they didn't take the easy route out. They really went for it, which is kind of amazing. Maybe um, wish that they would have put more care into the amount of lifeboats. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Salty. I love it. Anywho. They also had like one report of like the, from the cooks and the chefs on board that planned the menus said that they wanted to make like hearty and comforting food that would be something that everyone from all different cultures would be able to enjoy. They like really put a lot of thought into how international their guests were because they wanted everybody to find something that would feel like nice and reassuring, which totally makes sense because you're on a boat crossing the Atlantic. <laughs> Seven days. Where you could and will die. Spoiler alert. <laughs> There's a specimen bill of fare printed on sailing schedules in 1913 that noted kosher meat supplied and cooked for Jewish passengers as desired. So they advertise that. Love it. We also have tableware that was marked with the words meat or milk in both English and Hebrew. Hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And now it's time to read some menus. Yes. So first class breakfast. <laughs> things that you could order this is for um like the the menus the a la carte menus right you could so they actually have like yeah anyways baked apples quaker oats they specify that they're quaker <laughs> oats which i love mm -hmm. finden how do you say that f-i-n-d-o-n haddock anyways yep. grilled mutton grilled ham lamb chops which is insane <laughs> uh fresh fruit boiled hominy fresh herrings Yet see, fried, shired, poached, and boiled eggs. So many of these things. I'm like, what the hell is this? Uh, plain and tomato omelets to order. Tomato omelet? Yeah. It's so, okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, sirloin steak and mutton chops to order. Oh my goodness. Mashed, sauteed jacket potatoes, cold meats, Vienna and graham rolls. Stewed prunes, puffed rice, another Quaker product. Yep. Smoked salmon, kidneys, and bacon, grilled Ew. sausage, vegetable stew, soda and sultana scones, black currant conserve. Uh, we have buckwheat cakes, Oxford marmalade, watercress to finish, cornbread, and narbonne honey. They apparently everybody was really obsessed with watercress because they're like, it's so good for your digestion, which I it's, love. That's a very 1800s statement, I feel like. Yeah. I can really see these sort of like, yeah, trying to appeal to an international audience. Yeah. They're like really putting the work in here. Um, I don't know. It's just really cool to me, hey? Um, let's see. Second class breakfast. Rolled oats. Mm -hmm. Fruit. Fresh fish. Boiled hominy. Yarmouth bloaters. Grilled ox kidneys and bacon. American dry hash au gratin, grilled sausage, mashed potatoes, grilled ham and fried eggs, fried potatoes, Vienna and graham rolls, soda scones, buckwheat cakes, maple syrup, tea, watercress, marmalade, coffee. Extremely reasonable. Right? Also, I would note, too, that I feel like that menu seems a little bit more, like, British in character, mm, mm -hmm. which I'm not sure if that just speaks to the fact that 
maybe the people who are coming from second class, like, or who were sailing in second class were more local as opposed to people who'd had to come from further afield who might've had more money and been a bit more international. So they were in first class. I don't know. That was just a thought I had. Yeah. I mean, I think that that makes sense too. Like, as you're saying, if it, you are traveling back and forth for business Mm -hmm. fairly often, like you probably can't afford an insane first class ticket every single time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anywho, let's see a April 14th first class dinner. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Which, what day did fun. the ship go down? <laughs> I think it was the 15th. So okay. This is the day before, which is super cool. Love it. Uh, you have hors d'oeuvres, variés, okay. oysters. <laughs> Apparently there was so many effing oysters aboard this ship. Of course. Um, consomme Olga, cream of barley soup. Those were your choices. Okay. Then you would have salmon mousseline sauce, cucumber, filet mignon lily, which is apparently just like foie gras and mushrooms on a filet. And I was like, that sounds real good. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I guess it depends how the mushrooms are, are prepared. Very accurate. Um, saute of chicken lyonnaise, vegetable marrow farsi, roast duckling applesauce, sirloin of beef, green bean, or sorry, green peas. Chateau potatoes and creamed carrots, boiled rice. Hilarious. Boiled rice? Yeah. As opposed to, like, what, sautéed rice? Like uh, Yeah, like maybe like a pilaf. Are each of those sort of like larger, like are those all options? I don't really understand it, to be totally honest with you. I get the impression that the things, because the way that they've laid it out on this uh site here it's like consomme olga and then cream of barley on the other side as though it's like those are the two things Mm -hmm. you're deciding between and then you have these other things right like in there but then and i did read that it was like basically 13 courses right so makes sense um let's see punch romaine oh yes this is oh my god emily you're so silly (laughs) uh punch romaine is after the palmignon boiled new potatoes which is after the boiled rice the punch romaine is rum wine and champagne that they use to cleanse your palate i.e. get you absolutely sloshed rum wine and champagne yeah i don't know what wine hang on actually maybe it says i don't know it just rum's a tricky one i'm not a huge rum gal i mean like good rum is good but like yeah it's like with all things good things are good um then after that palate cleanser we have roast squab and cress cold asparagus vinaigrette Mm. pate de foie gras celery waldorf pudding peaches in chartreuse jelly chocolate and vanilla eclairs Mm. french ice cream french ice cream Mm -hmm. made with eggs a much heavier and richer version of the american ice cream if we'll all throw back to our ice cream episode yes yes watch that listen the other watch i watch with your ears Peaches and chartreuse jelly, was it? Yeah. I think I'm into that. Yeah, very. All right. Anyways, April 14th, second class dinner. Mm. Consomme tapioca, baked haddock, sharp sauce. Sharp sauce. Not really sure what that is, but love it. I also think like a... So you're having like consomme, but tapioca. So it's like consomme jelly. I'm into it. I don't know what it is, but I'm into it. Like, I'm imagining just, like, cubes of, like, salty jello. <laughs> You've not said one thing that doesn't make me want it. I'm talking myself into it, honestly. Ever mm-hmm. since I jokingly made a bull shot and a enjoyed bull it. Shot? Yeah, bull shot, a classic, like, 50s cocktail that's just, like, it's like a Bloody Mary, but instead of using tomato juice, you use beef consomme. 
honestly sounds great. It is. <laughs> is it like, sh- like it's cold, obviously. Yes. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really want that now. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, back to this menu. Stop distracting me. Sorry. Um, curried chicken and rice, spring lamb, mint sauce, roast turkey cranberry sauce. I'm sorry. I just like here. I'm like, oh, curried chicken and rice. Cute. They're trying to be international. And then it's spring lamb, mint sauce. And I just can't help but watch that. Or uh, think of that uh, time I watched. What is it? Jack Weidel, who's such a twat, uh, and has, like, traveled with my father. I don't know why. I, I deep dive the weirdest shit some days. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and there's this one where they're in Thailand on their first night. They, like, go to stay in a hostel, and his dad's like, absolutely not. Fucks them right off, and gets, like, the most expensive-looking hotel. And then they go to the restaurant at the hotel instead of going, like, to eat in, like, a local spot. And he orders the lamb. And for some reason, it kills me. Like, I just, I, like, I'm... I love it. I love it so much. A lamb and mint sauce is a classic. It is a classic. It's very British. It's very white. It is. So then we have, did I say roast turkey cranberry sauce? Yes. Yes. Then we have green peas, pureed turnips. I love a turnip. Ugh, no. Boiled rice again, boiled and roasted potatoes, plum pudding, wine jelly, coconut sandwich. What I think is very funny about this too is that this like recreation of this menu has spelling errors that they made on them so like marmalade that i read earlier was wrong this coconut is spelled c-o-c-o-a-n-u-t coconut sandwich i love it i I also do i want a coconut sandwich of course you do yeah i want anything coconut always Mm -hmm. assorted ice cream nuts assorted fresh fruit cheese biscuits and coffee so again very like extensive menu also maybe i retract my entire comment about it being a slightly more like uh, a slightly less, I would say, exotic menu for no, it. Because I, it seemed like they still did the same kind of stuff. Maybe <gasps> just less, like, high-end. But you did have things that were a bit, like, further afield for the food. Yeah. Yeah, which I... Th- and I think people are generally more adventurous at dinner time anyway. True. But, like, that... Tr- like, most of that sounds, like, aside from, like, the jellies and stuff, and, like, mm-hmm. maybe the consomme tapioca, it's, like, you could find that at, like, a Fairmont restaurant. Yeah. Anywhere in the world, almost. God bless a Fairmont. <laughs> Fairmont's the Titanics of the land. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so April 14th, third class for dinner. Or sorry, for breakfast. Ooh, oatmeal, porridge, milk, smoked herrings, jacket potatoes, ham and eggs, fresh bread and butter, marmalade and tea, Swedish bread and coffee. Dinner, we have a rice soup. We have fresh bread, cabin biscuits, which is something that they did, which they're like almost like like a cross between a biscuit and a cracker. Mm. And they're supposedly really good to settle your tummy because some people are getting seasick. Because they were in rooms without windows in the bottom of the ship. What an idea. <laughs> Anyways, roast beef, brown gravy, sweet corn, boiled potatoes, plum pudding, sweet sauce, and fruit. I mean, that's... And that's included in your ticket? Yeah, this is all the stuff that's like part of it, right? That doesn't even sound that bad. It's great. But then again, if you're on third class here... The cost of your ticket is easily the cost of second class anywhere else. Like, it's super expensive comparatively. Mm. Uh, for tea, cold meat, cheese and pickles, fresh bread and butter, stewed figs and rice, tea, supper, you have gruel, literally, mm. cabin biscuits, and cheese. Another thing I loved is the phrase, any complaint respecting the food supplied, want of service, or incivility should be at once reported to the purser of chief steward. 
For purposes of identification, each steward wears a numbered badge on the arm. And one thing that they did actually uh, manage to salvage was one of the stewards that survived, he had his badge like still Mm. with him Mm -hmm. when he got pulled out of the water. So like they have it in a bunch of like the Titanic exhibits, which is super cool. That is super cool. I also, can we start just putting that on restaurant menus anywhere? (laughs) Just like any, don't talk to me. Talk to the purser. (laughs) Just the The managers walk around with numbers on them. Oh my God. I love it. Oh my goodness. I would just also like to go back to the fact that the third class tickets on Titanic are like the same as a second class ticket anywhere else. Because I feel like in any depictions, namely that one movie of the Titanic, the third class passengers were portrayed as like total peasants. Like... Like, practically stowaways. I think that if you're on the fucking Titanic, which was literally, like, the biggest deal of the time, I don't think you're a peasant. And, like, from everything that I've read, it does not give that vibe. It's still... And this is another thing, too. They talk about, like, the linens and stuff like that that they got. They're like, yeah, it was a bit more Spartan down there, but really, it wasn't even so much an economic decision for it. It was because they were so stressed out about, like pests and getting Mm. into it so they were like this is the one area where we can kind of like not have as many like carpets and like soft furnishings and stuff so it's easier for us to clean right like they're making a lot of decisions to keep the place clean and safe and not to like give less good service to the third class like they're still having a very nice time from what i can understand Hmm. that's very interesting yeah anyways i don't know maybe james cameron isn't right about everything (laughs) shocker Let's see. Let's hear some marketing that they had. Ooh. Steamers have a dining and social hall fitted with a piano. At meals, tables are properly laid and served by the ship's stewards. Only the best supplies the market afford find their way on these steamers. Meals are wholesome and varied. I like that they find their way. It's like, I don't know. These supplies, <laughs> they, they just come show up. <laughs> oh my God, I but know. But only the best. We only attract the best. The name of the chef was Pierre Rousseau. Do you have any information, or will you get to this later, on how many, like, of the staff went down with the ship? Like, was it... Yeah. Third class had (laughs) 75% die. Yeah. So use that number. (laughs) Um, Yes. Anywho. But, like, the chefs and stuff? No, everyone. They're all dead. I would assume they're all dead. Did you know that they actually recovered the violin that they, like, played, like, the violin that played as the ship went down? Like, they actually have that violin. It was fished out of the water. Isn't that cool? It sold for, like, $1.8 million at auction. Of course it did. Yeah. I'm trying to find, sorry, I didn't write it down because I'm an idiot, but I'm trying to find just the sheer quantities of food. Yes. Yeah, because if you're serving such a variety every night, like, you have to have enough. They prepared food it was 22 people or 2200 people on this boat and they're serving them three meals a day like not even not even just three meals sorry they're doing like tea and like supper and whatever all the bullshit other things are whenever you want and it's like a 13 course yeah it's insane so hefty provisioning Mm. 75,000 pounds of meat (laughs) 11,000 pounds of fresh fish fresh fish i guess yeah 40 tons of potatoes oh my god 40,000 eggs, 7,000 heads of lettuce, 10,000 pounds of sugar, 250 barrels of flour, 36,000 apples, 1,500 gallons of milk, 
and 15,000 bottles of ale. Honestly, it doesn't sound like enough. Honestly, that's... I didn't want to make the joke and be like, oh, I would have needed more if I was there. But like, yeah, doesn't seem like enough. It's not even one per person. I can't tell if they mean like bottles or if they mean like um, growlers, like... Tankards? Tankards, yeah. Like a bigger quantity than just like one beer. It must be. Yeah. Plus, like, they don't tell us how much champagne was on board. How dare they? That's the real question. The true tragedy of the entire thing is the amount of champagne that's at the bottom of the ocean. Which leads me to my last point, which is just, like, we don't really know how much ended up on the ocean floor. Like, I, they were pretty close to shore, weren't they? Like, I don't think they had a ton of... I think it was, like, 30 miles out or something like that. Like, I read mm. from Nova Scotia or New Brunswick or one of the Canada places. Yep. Nailing Newfoundland? This. Sure. I am <laughs> nailing this. All the details are very strong here today. Geography? Who is she? Who is she? Um, so I think that they were towards the end, so they probably wouldn't have had a ton of provisions at the end, but like, there was obviously still a ton of stuff on board. The other thing, too, is like they had to stop and get all this new food, but I don't feel like all of this stuff would have been used. Like I don't know. I get this vibe that they like would have had more butter than they needed or something, or like more flour. Well, because what you were saying earlier, like their kind of experience that they're offering, like you can't run out. Yeah, no, exactly. What are you supposed to say at the end of the trip? It's like, Hey, we have two days left to go, but unfortunately there's no more booze or like we only brought 7,000 heads of lettuce. Salads are canceled. Like enjoy soup, bitch. (laughs) Oh my God. So that's all the information I have. I just think it really is like how, incredibly sad that all these people died of course yeah but even more incredibly sad (laughs) that all this fucking prep went to naught i just i just imagine the guy like the chief uh like steward or whatever who is in charge of like organizing the menus for all of this i bet you as he's sinking into the ocean he thought to himself these idiots had i been in charge of building this ship and like making sure logistics went right none of this would have been happening truly it just sucks to be the only competent person around and it sucks that the only competent people somehow end up in food service. Mm-hmm. Cough, 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 cough. <laughs> Another kind of fun thing, just that I'll close mm. on, like, what is, where is she now mm-hmm. uh, for the Titanic? Yeah. Well, the food, obviously all gone. The fish returned to their natural environment, were eaten, <laughs> like, you know, eaten up away. Yes. But uh, pretty cool. So is the ship being eaten away. There's metal uh, eating, like, metal dissolving bacteria that's, like, working the whole thing through. Oh, there was an expedition that went out and they have really, really good equipment now where they mm-hmm. can actually take like video and pictures of this that make it look like you can do like virtual reality with it. So <gasps> you can actually go and like experience the whole thing. And when they're down there, they're like getting a really good look of the remnants of it. There's like a lot that's wasting away, mm-hmm. but it's been almost completely like integrated with the rest of the ocean. So it's a, like a viable ecosystem. There's animals living inside of it. I love it. Like, how cool is that, right? It's very cool. So, yeah, we all just become fish food in the end. Can we go on a diving expedition and try and find some of the sunken Titanic champagne? That is the goal. The unfortunate bit is I'm sure it's corked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think the corks were very good in the 1800s. Interesting theory. When did champagne get invented? Oh, my God. So long ago. Well... Like the 1500s, I feel like. Sure. Because there was monks. Yes. Monks involved. (laughs) 
I literally went to Champagne and did not pay attention to a goddamn word. I never do. I've been to so many wine tours. It's in one ear out the other. It's like, they're like, because mo- here's the other thing that I know is bad. I don't trust a goddamn word they say. Mm. After the time in Mendoza where that girl's just like, yeah, the sediment, it just means there's a fault in the wine. And I'm like, <sighs> all right. I just guess- pick two Pinot Grigios for a party. <laughs> just pick two Pinot Grigios. It's all anyone wants anyway. Oh my God white women anywho so thank you for listening to me talk about the disaster that was the titanic and the food that they had on board i hope that we've all had a really fun time hearing all these old-timey food dishes uh yeah it's the best time i would love we should recreate as much oh as my we God. can one of these Other thing that they do <laughs> they have every year like little leisure cruises where people go and recreate the last supper is that not the funniest thing you've ever heard? Oh my god, I want to do I that. I know. I just can never stop thinking about the fact that they had like multiple like grand staircases in the Titanic. Right? I don't know why that's my favorite fact. How is it that I have zero staircases, <laughs> like grand staircases, and the Titanic had many? I know. It's rude. Also, the maid and valet's like dining room was tucked behind one of the grand staircases on like the main level. Which I thought was very funny. Okay, here's what I'm going to get you for Christmas. A silver napkin ring that says servant. (laughs) Um, excuse me. That is hilarious. I will never stop using it, but I also need a set of like six because I only set my table appropriately. I don't want just one janky one out of... Of course. Yeah, that's insane. You can't get one, like a person one napkin ring. That would be insane. Insane. Yeah, well, so that's... That's, that's it. A, that's the podcast. That's fantastic. Thank you uh, for listening, everybody. Rate, review, subscribe. Yeah. You can follow us on Instagram. That's Pantry Staples Pod. Tell your friends, tell your foes. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my God. I want these so much. <laughs> <laughs> Just servant. <laughs> <laughs>